So if you were around last week, you'll have known that we just started a, a well, a kind of continued start to a series we looked at uh, last term on being the people of God in a post-Christian generation. And uh, we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2 and different verses on that in the next, uh, from last week, next four weeks in total. So when I was uh, growing up as a child, my, uh, and as a family, we moved about a bit as my dad moved jobs somewhere in different uh, places in the country. So I have various uh, recollections of walking into school, to, the, uh, to class, as very much the new kid. You know, which is kind of quite a hard thing to do, where the class is settled, everybody's in, and you walk in, and nobody knows who you are, and you're just wanting to fit in. You just want to blend in and sort of be a part. And at that moment, you walk in when you're so new, you just don't feel a part at all. Everything's new. You've left all your old friends and mates behind from one place, and you've gone to another place. Sometimes we, I'm from the south originally, from Kent, uh, and we'd move up, we moved up north, and I don't mean Islington. Uh, the one time I was living in Merseyside on the, the Wirral, uh, near Liverpool, and so therefore every time I spoke as well, it just accentuated the difference because they're different of accent. And so every time you even said something, you realised how much you didn't fit and how uh, different you felt and uh, how awkward it was. Maybe not loads of change whenever I open my mouth, I don't know. But you, you could feel it, that, you know, I just wanted to find my place, in a sense, and it was a, you know, the kind of a difficult thing when you're, you're brand new somewhere. A little while ago, I was in uh, a gathering of other lead elders in New Frontiers, and uh, the conversation came round about how many... Uh, of, of these other guys leading churches felt uh, when we're sort of meeting together in bigger gatherings of other church leaders and other church staff praying together and stuff, how they felt like they didn't really fit. They weren't really sure why they're there. They felt awkward and even insecure about being in that place, thinking, why am I here? What's my place? What's my purpose in this? Even though you'd think maybe, uh, you know, church leaders wouldn't experience that maybe, but they were still feeling it as well, just being in a room with more and more people wondering where they fitted. And I think that's a sort of a fairly common experience for most of humanity. I don't know how often you felt you've been in an environment and a place where you're not sure how you fitted. You didn't really feel like you had a place or what you were doing there, what the purpose of it was. Maybe you've, um, when you didn't just go from the south to the north of the country, but when you first arrived in the UK from a different nation and you're trying to understand how it works here and looking for friends and a place to really belong uh, and call your own or you start a new job or even sometimes when we're with our friends and yet it doesn't feel like we're really a part of something because of things going on you know, in our hearts and the way we feel about things. And you know, we can sometimes, I guess one of the things, we don't want to feel rejected in situations, do we? We want to know that we belong and that we feel a place and it's somewhere that's comfortable and we know what we're about. Have you ever felt like that? You ever feel like you think, I, I feel you know, like I don't really belong? Have you ever felt like that in a church? Have you ever felt like that in City Hope? We've had some nice things said about City Hope this morning. Have you ever felt like that even today? You're thinking, I, I feel like everyone else is having a great time and knows what they're about, and I'm feeling 
awkward and do I really belong and have I got a place here? Maybe because of, you might say, some <coughs> higher expectations that we probably have and probably rightly so in terms of what church life is supposed to look like. You know, we use language like we're God's family, called to be a loving community, we want caring relationships. You know, maybe the expectation is higher than maybe in workplace situations or things like that. It's like we have a high expectation and sometimes we're feeling like it, it's not working for me. And uh, I'm feeling like I'm not a part of this. And, and even some sense of being not wanted or re- rejected, however true that may actually be, or how it was we wrestle with it in our own hearts because of what's going on inside of us. Now, of course, for many of us, it won't come surprise to know that God doesn't want us to feel that way. And that's not God's plan for us. But that God has a place and a purpose for every one of us. And that's what I want to look at today in this passage. Uh, Joy read the whole passage earlier. uh, But we're going to be looking at verses 4 and 5 from 1 Peter chapter 2. So it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So this passage is rich in Old Testament sort of analogy and illustration, which can maybe mean you look at it, it's not necessarily really straightforward to understand what's going on and what's been said. So the Old Testament is the bit of the Bible that was written before Jesus came along. It's actually the bigger section of the two sections of the Bible. And this is a New Testament uh, bit of the New Testament, a letter written to churches, written to Christians. So just a quick aside, when so much of the New Testament, is, which is for Christians, is built on some of what God's been speaking on through the Old Testament, I kind of encourage you to keep reading your Old Testament. Because sometimes it is more difficult and the gap between where we're at in 21st century culture and what was being written about then probably is bigger than a lot of the New Testament. Uh, and so it can be harder to read, but it's important. And so much the New Testament, Jesus and other New Testament sort of writers build on what the Old Testament is saying or was saying to us. So it starts off, as you come to him, the living stone. This is speaking to Christians. Christians are those that have come to Jesus. He's the living stone. The passage is actually going to go on to, which is going to be spoken on next week, to quote an Old Testament prophecy Uh, about a cornerstone that God's going to build everything around. This is Jesus. And Peter here, the guy that's written this letter, starts off with the living stone language. We, as Christians, are those that have come to Jesus. He's our living stone. There's some, say, analogy in that about, obviously, God's Jesus is alive, he's active, he's not a dead God, he, he does things in our lives, he's like a stone, a rock that we can base our lives on. And I say the passage, the sort of verses coming straight after this, talk about Jesus being the cornerstone, that everything's built around. So in some ways it's helpful to have that in mind through this bit of the passage. We are those that have come to Jesus, the living stone, that God builds everything around. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but Jesus was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. This is obviously uh, a description, very brief I might say, of how Jesus' life and ministry on earth was ultimately not accepted by the people around him. And as a picture of how all of us ultimately have 
um, rejected Jesus ourselves um, in terms of he was crucified by humans. He was rejected. We, as I was kicking off earlier, we were talking about how we have all uh, experienced or at least fear some sense of rejection. We live in a fallen world that is not working perfectly and rejection feeling like we haven't got a place or a purpose is going on all around us, whether inside of ourselves because of our own insecurities or whether through the treatment of others and essentially the way people end up sinning against us. But it can happen all the time, doesn't it? It was not God's intention. God created a perfect world, the Bible says, where there was harmony, where there was no sense of rejection, where it was going to be easy for every living person to find their place and purpose in him and in life and be content. And the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, tells the story of how it all went wrong through Adam and Eve as they disobeyed God and our world is, if you like, a fallen world is often a phrase. It's in a state of disrepair to some extent. And you don't have to look too hard, do you, to see that is true. Reading your news or even looking at some of the own things that go on in our thinking and our heart. And so rejection has come into the world, which was not God's intention. And Jesus has come and he has experienced that rejection to a greater degree than anybody else. He is the one who was rejected by humans. He was crucified on the cross and rejected, even though he had done nothing wrong, had only been doing good all you know, the time he was walking on the earth, and he was rejected. And the picture of human sin, where we've got things wrong, the sort of ultimate picture of it in some ways is our rejection of Jesus. It's like that's what's gone on in every single one of us. Now, many of us now in this room are Christians and we've realised, we've come to him, of course, and we'll come on to that, but we know it's that actually in our hearts we hadn't had anything to do with him. We didn't want him. You might not have consciously said, oh, I'm rejecting Jesus, but the fact is we weren't walking with him. We had not accepted him as the Lord and Saviour, as the living stone to, for God to build our lives around him. There's a sense in which he's rejected and, uh, you know, and we had all rejected him. But God has chosen him. He was God's chosen one. And he's precious to God. So we have this living stone, our saviour, Jesus, who knows what it's like to be rejected and so understands some of the things we go through in this life where we feel, where's my place, where's my purpose? Uh, you know, whether, like I say, whether it's us, uh, you know, sort of causing rejection because of our own insecurities or whether because of the way we feel people are treating us in terms of not accepting us. So Jesus understands us. He's experienced it. He knows what it's like. But his ultimate goal was to please God, who chose him and was precious to him. So now he's become this cornerstone, this living stone. And as we, as Christians, come to him and experience that and understand that, which many of us in this room do, we therefore are also chosen in Christ. And this verse goes on, so because we've come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. God says we've got a place. He didn't reject Jesus. He chose him. He doesn't reject us in Jesus. He has chosen us. 
and we are like living stones. Now, even in the context of this small passage, this is an amazing thing, because obviously, just like the line before, Jesus himself is the living stone. If you like, it's like living stone in capital letters. He is the living stone. The one God has chosen is going to be the cornerstone in the next passage, the one God builds everything around. And as we've come to him and said, you're my Lord and Saviour, we become like him. We become part of God's plans and purposes as well. We all become, every single one of us who's a Christian, a living stone. We're all living stones, if you like. The only distinction of living stones is, if you like, living stones, small letters, all of us, as I'm putting it, living stone, capital letters, Jesus, the cornerstone, the special one. So we all, in that place of, uh, in a sense, equality, in God's purposes, accepted by him, part of what he's got for us. And I've used the sense that it's a sense of place, that God knows where he wants us and has got his hand on our lives. And he's taking all of us as living stones, every one of us, to be built into a spiritual house. And if you're a Christian, you're a part of that. You're, you're, it's just who you are. It's now part of your identity, if you like, as not someone that's rejected, not someone that necessarily go, where is my place? To someone with a place. You're a living stone in God's plans for a place in his spiritual house. And we're all needed. We're all a part of that. That's what God wants for that, what he wants to, us to believe him uh, for. Christmas is obviously just gone. We got some uh, Lego sets. Uh, some of my kids got Lego sets, not me. That was a long time ago. More's the pity, eh? So... Um, and, you know, so we spent some time doing Lego sets. And, of course, uh, if you've ever done it, there's lots of different pieces, uh, all of them sort of different and varied. But, of course, to make the thing, the picture on the box and everything, you need every single bit. And, of course, one of particular smaller bits, one of your panics as you're doing it is thinking, I can't find a bit. It was only a little one because that's the one that's like to go missing. But you want it. You really want it because you want to finish off the thing you know, the tank or the house or, or whatever, to make what was on the box. And it's like, we're all apart. We're all different, obviously, different skills, different skills, but we're all in the box of the Lego. We all need to be put together to build what God intends to build. We're all living stones. And it goes on. So we're living stones together, built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the Livingstone spiritual house uh, analogy is picking up Old Testament language of a temple. There used to be a physical temple which represented the presence of God uh, and where worship would happen. And that's superseded now by the church, God's people, Livingstone's a spiritual house. And that temple used to be served by priests, a select few group of people out of the Israelites. So all the Israelites were God's chosen, God's chosen people, but some of those people were, if you like, extra specially special, and they were called to be priests, and they were the only ones that were allowed to really minister before God and perform some of the rituals and the sacrifices in the temple. And it's all changed. We are now all called, every one of God's people as Christians, to be holy, part of the holy priesthood, set apart for God. Everyone equal. This passage is often one of the key passages where we have, the, I suppose, the doctrine, the belief of uh, what's often referred to the priesthood of all believers. 
all believers have direct access to God, if you like. We're all equal. We can all go to God ourselves. He has chosen each one of us individually. He knows each one of us, and we all can have a relationship with him. Sorry, we all do have a relationship with him that we are obviously called to work on and develop and grow. We are all holy priests. We can all offer spiritual sacrifices. It's no longer one or two that get to have the direct line access to God as such. It's not the prerogative of church leaders to sort of do that on behalf of others. We all are holy priests equal. We can all offer sacrifices that are acceptable to God for those that have come to him, the living stone, for those that are no longer rejecting him. So it's good news for us, isn't it? Obviously, earlier I was talking about different situations where, you know, maybe you can feel like you're not really a part, you fear rejection, sort of out in the world or even in the life of the church. But the truth God gives us is that we're all, uh, we've all got a place and we've all got a purpose. All being built into house, all able to offer spiritual sacrifices. So, w- what have we got to do with this, if you like, this truth? to let it change our lives and help us so that some of you know, my experiences as a scribe when I was a new kid at, at school uh, and maybe some of the ways that we feel in, say, di- feel in different situations, environments, doesn't take hold of us, you might say, where we're trusting God. So there's three areas I'd like to uh, look at and they are um, really most relevant to, I suppose, inside the church, you might say. This is a passage written to churches, in fact, many churches, but to the church themselves and obviously the spiritual house and others. It's talking about building church, really. But obviously we want God to change our lives so that even as we're living a life outside of you know, the church community, it's actually in work, the kingdom is bigger than the church, that actually we are those that know God's got a place and a purpose for us and we live that out well. So you have a place and a purpose. As I say, we do need to believe it. Um, obviously, I've been talking about that already, really. We really need to believe it. I, think it. I really think it's like an ill of humanity in the fallen world that so often we feel like we're not part of something. We're not really like, like everyone else is having more fun than us. Apparently, there's some uh, news article stuff talking about uh, the way people check their Facebook status and stuff like that over Christmas and how you only tend to get the rosy pictures in your timeline of all the good stuff that's going on at Christmas. You know, all the meals look great and then people look like they're having fun and stuff like that and how there's a sense which people could end up feeling more isolated and uh, more depressed about their own life if they're looking at Facebook at Christmas time and it just looks like everyone else is having a better time than they are. Now, it's not quite the sense of... Uh, you know, not feeling apart maybe, but we're so inclined, if we're not careful, to go that way. And I think, aren't we? Everyone else, well, I'm supposed to be part of this church, and everyone else knows what they're doing and is feeling happy with it, and is really, you know, and I'm not. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing or maybe what my gift is or I'm feeling frustrated with things. And I think we can head that way in our thinking so easily. And sometimes, of course, it's because... The circumstances created that. Sometimes it's what goes on in our hearts 
and we need to look at that. And sometimes it's because things don't always work out brilliantly. We do live in a fallen world. It was wonderful what Paul Wissey shared earlier about you know, his experience of the city hope being so positive for him. But obviously he did finish off saying it's not like we're perfect because I'm a part of it and you're a part of it. And so it doesn't always work brilliantly. So we have to believe it. This is God's intention for us. We have a place here. We have a purpose here until the day you move on. In one sense, this is one of the reasons why practically we have church membership. Because people can come into the services and get involved and maybe even serve a bit and everything. But in our church membership, we're just slowing up a bit and saying to folk, are you saying you really want to be part of this church? So you know that you've made a sort of a, a conscious heart decision to say I'm committed to this body of people to the vision of the church I have a place I have a purpose and that's by the way so if you're not a church member have never gone through our sort of membership processes that's really what it's about to encourage you to think about that you know there's a sense of commitment and that now you're very much a part of it that's God's intention regardless of when it goes wrong in your heart I'm not feeling like I'm a part, which literally you can say, to, it just goes on for every one of us, even if you lead the church. What's my purpose? What am I doing? It happens to all of us. And then sometimes circumstantially, you know, we tread on each other's toes. It doesn't go so right. And it was awkward and difficult because we're just not perfect. We've got to believe, no, God's intention. We are all here together, living stones. We've all in his uh, his plan to have a place and a purpose. So believe it in your heart. Don't let go of it, even when circumstances seem to say something else. Then we've got to take some sense of responsibility. The living stones, the holy priesthood, the equality of all of that, means if you know that you're a living stone and you're part of that, it means it's not someone else's responsibility to help make living stones and help people find their place and their purpose. That means it's all of our responsibility. Now, clearly, again, we have sort of different roles and different places in, in that, but we all have a place, we all have a responsibility. You can't be just looking around and going, you know, someone else will help other people find their place and, uh, you know, uh, their purpose in the life of church. Someone else will be engaging with people. Someone else will go and say hello to the new person. Someone else will serve over here, you know, do the kids' work or, or whatever. We can't do everything, of course. But if we're all living stones, and it's God's intention that he builds all of us together into the spiritual house that we want City Hope to be, then it's all of our responsibility because we're all equal in that sense, aren't we? So we've got to think, don't leave it in, so you believe it in your own heart, so believe it in your own heart for other people. No, this is us together, guys. You're a part of this. Let's be encouragers of one another. And let's be honest, when we don't always do that so well, but it's still what God wants for us, to encourage one another, to build each other up, to build this spiritual house up, to help each other live our lives as priests offering sacrifices to God. Amen. And then finally, just work at it, just to be a bit uh, practical in that sense. So that's going to look like something for you in City Hope in terms of how you're involved as a living stone in this place, how you're involved as a priest serving God in this place. And of course, it's a myriad 
of, uh, of different things, you might say. I alluded already to, you know, for some initially, you know, if you want to be here, become a church member, look at that, see if it's for you to commit to it, to be a part of it. You know, whether it is praying for people, whether it's cooking a meal for people, whether it's joining a connect group, whether it's leading a connect group, you know, whether it's serving the kids' work, but find, in that sense, keep working at the, the place. So I suppose that at that level, of course, those things change. Uh, it's, not, you know, it's not signed up for life in that sense. That is not ultimately your purpose in God as spiritual sacrifices is doing the crash. But it's all part of it. It's practically working an element of that out, isn't it? So what's it for you to keep working at being part of this, your place and purpose here at CTO, which will change over time and circumstances and all the rest of it? But what's it now, today, this season of life, if you'd like to actively be working at being involved here? So we want to see a church here that, um, where everybody knows their place and their purpose. A gathering of believers that have come to Jesus, the living stone, and that our lives are all built around him, accepted in God. He was rejected. He is now accepted by God and, and those of us in this room have accepted him and our lives are built around him. So we want to see a church that, you know, where people know their place and find their purpose. And we recognise it's not always easy, uh, it goes wrong, but it's what God wants for us. So that's what we want. And we, the, the Old Testament picture of that temple, that spiritual house, there's a real sense which the temple was something magnificent where people knew that the presence of God was there and it was sort of influential and representative. The whole, uh, the whole of the rest of society impacted. Society in the Israelites' day was sort of revolved around the temple. And we want to see God build us as living stones and a spiritual house as holy priests offering sacrifices to him in a way that is magnificent and brings him glory and builds all of us up and impacts our lives and encourages us and flows out to the world around us where there is in, in a way a sense where people can see that God is building us here and they're looking in and going, that's wonderful, that's amazing for all our foibles and our ups and downs but that God is among us building something that is showing his glory and magnificence to the rest of the world where people are accepted, accepted in Jesus and accepted among ourselves. Now, I want to be part of a church like that, don't you? And it's, again, it's great. We have that going on us, in among us, because that's what God wants for us. And I'm sure, let's go back, I'm sure every single one of us has also experienced moments, even with the life of the church, even within City Hope, where it hasn't felt that way. And it's gone wrong. And we need to pick ourselves up in a sense. Maybe even now you're really wrestling with that and thinking it's all right for you to say that. But to pick ourselves up and say, no, this is what God wants for us, for me. I have a place here. I have a purpose here. Let's be working out together. Amen? Amen, guys. Thank you. I'd like to, to pray. And I'm going to hand back to Paul. Jesus, I thank you that uh, your church is your idea. Lord Jesus, you said you will build your church, Lord God. And we want to thank you that uh, for those of us here, we are part of that, Lord Jesus. You have revealed yourself to us, Lord. We have given our lives to you as our Lord and Saviour. 
And, uh, and we, you've adopted us into your family. You've made us part of your church, Lord. And we know that you're building us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, will you move on City Hope, on each of us individually, on our lives together, to help us keep being built by you as living stones into a spiritual house, Lord, that will bring you glory, that will demonstrate some of your magnificence, Lord, that will encourage and build each, as, each of us up to keep being priests before you. Lord, we thank you, Lord. It's an honour to be called a priest. It's an odd, it's that old language in one sense, but thank you, Lord. It shows that we all have access to you, Lord. That's because of your grace. It's because you've forgiven our sin, Lord Jesus. It's a wonderful, wonderful privilege, Lord. And we want to be priests before you with great joy, encouraging each other and uh, you living our lives well for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you.